0: Welcome, everybody, to Edge of the Rabbit Hole. I'm author and researcher Mike Ricksecker. With me, as always, my co-hostess, Victoria Monday and down in the chat room, Alina, moderating the chat. We have a fantastic show coming up for you tonight. We have paranormal investigator, filmmaker, and author Brandon Elvis with us. Many of you probably recognize him from A&E's Ghost Hunters. We're going to be chatting with him tonight about his new book, elements of a haunting as well as his new show coming out haunted discoveries and of course uh we'll talk about some uh, ghost hunters as well so brandon welcome to the show
1: hey guys thanks for having me on it's a pleasure
0: yeah absolutely absolutely i know we've been connected for a little while on social media so it's great to finally get a chance to meet you and, uh, and chat with you a little bit here
1: yeah absolutely again uh, we've talked through comments and exchanged yeah. messages a few <laughs> yeah. times but uh it's cool to actually meet you guys it's awesome
0: yeah, for sure, for sure. So, um I guess we'll we'll start, you know, with some of the basics here. I know a lot of people of course, you know, do recognize you from uh from Ghost Hunter, so I do want to start there and then uh, of course we'll get into your your book and everything else that you have going on. So, um so what got your start? What got your interest in this and you know leading you on this uh path to television filmmaking and everything that you're doing right now?
1: you know uh you know my interest in the paranormal began at a very young age uh 1995 i lost my oldest brother to cancer and in 2004 i lost another brother to suicide so that kind of you know got my interest in the possibility of a life after death uh you know going and never really had a paranormal experience per se it was just more about you know having to learn and cope with death at such a young age uh, that that kind of set me out on my journey Uh, but i was always a history buff still am a huge history buff and one day i wanted to start making documentaries similar to what ken burns was doing uh, with his documentary so i bought a modest camcorder with what money i had and went out and started filming historical documentaries for the web and uh, that kind of started my pursuit of filmmaking uh and my love of history uh and then you know my interest in the paranormal kind of clashed with that so that's kind of where that all started
2: that's cool <laughs> let me ask you real quick sorry technical glitch
0: right there <laughs> <laughs> no. go ahead got a question go ahead, um,
2: if money were no object that's how i start all my questions usually <laughs> if money were no object and you could go anywhere in the world where would you want to go to investigate
1: Ooh, that's tough oh, that's a, <laughs> i'm here for <laughs> that's a while tough one there <laughs> you know, I, i've always wanted to go to the tower of london i think that's Ooh. always oh been yeah a really there you go. interesting location i mean I, I always talk about you know the elements of a haunting, and you know, certain historical events that could possibly lead to what we perceive to be a haunting. And I think the Tower of London has that history and has that element to it. So I think I'd probably have to say Tower of London is the first one that really jumps out for me.
2: Do they let people do investigations here? Anybody,
1: Mike?
0: Not that I'm. That'd be so of. cool. <laughs> you know, I, I, yeah, I I know our buddy Rob Gutro that we had on last week uh, was he has visited there, and he reported a. Uh, he has actually witnessed the ghost of Catherine Howard there. So, oh wow, wow, yeah, but that that was during a tour, not an investigation.
1: Yeah, and I, I know over the years them. they've released they've released a security camera footage of you know various mm-hmm. uh, sightings as well. There was that one figure that opens the doors uh, to one that. of the uh, entrances. That was a really cool one. And there's also been other footage I've seen over the years where it's CCTV kind of stuff that they released that's been leaked. It seems like. <laughs> yeah kind of quote
0: unquote leaked yeah yeah exactly
1: (laughs) yeah oh well
2: okay that was my my filler while Mike Mike had difficulties
0: (laughs) yeah just the (laughs) well the button wasn't clicking for me to take it off the the screen because I had I had Brandon up like that and you're just supposed to click the button again and comes back to all of us and it wasn't doing that so
2: yeah we call that impact engineering when you hit it real hard so
0: okay so just slam it yeah
2: eat it <laughs>
0: uh so um brandon you, you mentioned ken burns and uh that's it's pretty interesting because you know i've always really enjoyed his documentaries i got into his work from the uh you know the old baseball series i'm a baseball fan he had that nine inning series but all of his other work has been fantastic as well so uh you know how are how are you incorporating because that's it, it, a very specific style so how are you incorporating that inspiration into your filmmaking work
1: Well, I mean, he is a master storyteller, and not only is he a master storyteller, he tells the facts, which is huge. You know what I mean? There's so many ways a film can be made, you know, especially in the documentary space where there can be a bias associated with it, but Ken Burns does such a great job of providing factual documentation uh, within his storytelling. So I, I take that as a huge influence, and I try to recreate that as best as possible with Anytime I'm going to talk about a specific talking point associated with a story or a storyline, I want to make sure there's factual documentation uh, from a historical context to back that up. And, you know, I did a series in 2016 to 2018 called Ephemera, and uh, it was strictly a historical documentary series, and uh, I was heavily influenced by Ken Burns uh, for that series. And it really just goes back into news archives, going back to the early 1800s, and just talking about those strange bits of untold history that really haven't been uncovered and uh, just making sure I go back, uh, you know, cover all my bases, and really show the historical documentation to back up a specific storyline. And I think that Ken Burns does that the best, especially when it comes to you know documentary type filmmaking. He's, in my opinion, probably the greatest of all time.
2: Oh, yeah, definitely. And the cinematography is just gorgeous.
1: Yeah, he does a
0: fantastic job, kind of covering all <laughs> yeah. all bases and many, many different angles uh, on his, on each of his topics that he covers. And uh, you're right, he he really gets in deep to uh, the history, which is something I've always enjoyed. You know, being involved with the with the paranormal, um, you know, personally, I always wanted to you know be be like a voice to you know those spirits and people that have been lost to time. Okay, let's get to the real facts. Let's get to the real history uh, of these locations of these people um so you have a new documentary coming out that you just got done filming and i guess you're uh you you have something rendering in the background on your computer i, I think is what i <laughs> caught earlier <laughs> yeah. so um, so yeah let's let's talk about it here um haunted discoveries what can we expect with this
1: well yeah it's uh, gonna be an eight episode series uh that we actually just got done filming a couple weeks ago and we're actually in the edit now and putting all those eight episodes together, but it's actually documenting my search to acquire a haunted building uh, to use as a research facility and to use it for the home of my organization, the American Paranormal Research Association. And uh, we head out to Kentucky and we meet with not only you know homeowners, but people that own bed and breakfast type facilities, museums, uh, to talk about what it's like to live in and operate in a haunted location day in and day out. And just really getting you know down to the fact of what is it like to be in a said haunted location for extended periods of time. So um, it's kind of you know chronicling that journey of me meeting these people, talking to them, uh, you know, consulting them about what it's like to be in these places uh, day in and day out. And we really get into some you know amazing pieces of history associated with the state of Kentucky, and actually into some really cool science that's associated with why the state of Kentucky may be so haunted. So. It's a it's a lot of fun. It's a great series. uh, And I I can't wait to get it out there for everybody. I think people are really going to like it.
0: Fantastic. And I have to ask, because I had read in one of the articles covering uh, your show, kind of, I guess, giving people a little bit of a preview that it is exclusively Kentucky. So why Kentucky? Well, you know, I, I've been to <laughs> I mean, not that I have anything <laughs> against Kentucky. It's, it's just <laughs> right. south of me. I'm in Ohio, and so sure. you know, Kentucky's right. a neighbor. But um, so, so why Kentucky? You
1: know, I, I've been to 49 states, uh, you know, in my search for the paranormal, in my Damn, search for you haunting. You beat me by one. Oh, oh man. <laughs> but <laughs> Kentucky kept popping up. You know, I've been to Kentucky many times. I've investigated all the well-known, notorious spots associated with Kentucky and Bobby Mackey's to Waverly mm. Hills. Uh But, you know, we were looking for a location that has a certain type of topography, a certain type of geological makeup to it. And one of the things that really jumped out to us with Kentucky is that NASA recognizes the state of Kentucky, specifically uh, the Somerset area, as a, a location, one of two in the world that has the highest point of gravitational pull. They call it the anomaly. That's what they actually call it. And if you take that and you actually lay that over a map and you look at ghost sightings, it's all really concentrated in that area. So that was something that really jumped out to myself and Mustafa um, right after we got done writing Elements of Haunting and really getting you know kind of deep down the rabbit hole when it came to theory and research that you know that specific area, not only with the massive cave systems that are there, um, the, uh, the calcite that's there, uh, all the limestone, things like that. Uh, But this anomaly, this uh, gravitational anomaly that takes place there really was something that we wanted to look into. And we thought, you know, it could be a really cool experiment to go out there and conduct uh, some research in that specific area.
0: Yeah, now that's really interesting to me because I have a specific interest in uh, in vortices, triangle areas of the world and things of that nature. So the the fact that you're talking about a location that has a stronger than usual gravitational pull where you see an excessive number of hauntings, that's extremely interesting to me. So Yeah, it's, um,
1: it really jumped out. You know, it's, uh, it's I think it's one of two places in the world that's recognized by the research by NASA. I think the other locations in Serbia somewhere. So okay. uh, I was about to
0: ask where the other place was. Yeah, yeah it's okay.
1: very unique. And I, not only that, um, you lay down a map on top of that you see all the sightings associated with the area, but then you have ley lines, and things of that mm-hmm. nature as well, all running and kind of intersecting in that specific spot. And I think we researched over 200 places and we narrowed it down to eight when it came to locations in the state of Kentucky that are said to be haunted. And, and a lot of these places are being ran as a bed and breakfast, a, a museum, mm-hmm. places that people are in, day in and day out and you know locations that people spend a lot of time in and we thought it would be you know interesting to not only look at the anomaly within itself but to really talk to people that kind of uh, immerse themselves into these haunted places and to really get a you know a a deeper look into uh what it's like to be you know around a haunting
0: and you cover some of these locations in your book elements of a haunting correct
1: uh we actually don't have any of the locations in the book uh but some of the protocol and the research that we conduct is definitely implemented into these eight episodes
0: okay okay so let me uh bring the book up here for the viewers elements of a so so your methodology is in the book absolutely okay so and what do you look for and we have some questions here from from the chat well so i'll kind of incorporate some of this um so like Sarah Yusuf here, how would you define a haunting versus other paranormal phenomenon? Yeah, that's a,
1: that's a tough question. You know, there's mm-hmm. one thing we have implemented into the book is that we're trying to, you know, implement a classification system, if you will. So instead of going to a location and saying, is it haunted or not? You know, what are the elements associated with that? Is there something more to it? You know, and connecting the history with the science and the research side of it is leading us to really try and classify phenomena been very lucky to work with Dr. Harry Clore. He's the first person in history to receive two PhDs simultaneously in any discipline and he received those in physics and chemistry and he's really been my mentor when it comes to the scientific side of trying to implement science into, you know, paranormal research. And one thing he always mentioned to me was you don't go to a zoo and say you saw a bunch of animals. You go to a zoo and you say you saw tigers and lions, monkeys, uh, elephants, things like that, uh, with the paranormal, if this phenomena is real and it is taking place and hauntings are indeed factual, we have to start to classify that and categorize that. And that's something that, you know, Masoff and I have tried to implement into this book. And we've gone back to case logs, going back to the 1800s with the Ghost Club of London uh, and different you know bits of terminology that have been used over the years that have kind of been almost lost to time. And we go back, we compare our notes our research, our, you know, all the historical facts that we've uncovered, and we look at those older case logs, and, and they lined up in a way that made it really interesting, and it really, you know, made us made it a lot easier for us to implement that classification system and to really look at it from a different point of view.
2: Okay, now I have questions. <laughs> <laughs> Did Mike go away? Okay, Mike can't hit the button, so let me ask you three questions real quick. If I can yes. Um, going back to Kentucky, if you had your maps and you have your maps of the topography, the maps of the hauntings,
1: mm-hmm. how does that
2: relate to the cave system? Are they on top of the caves, nearby the caves or anything
1: like Absolutely. that? Absolutely. On top of the cave systems. Yeah, it's it's really interesting to, I mean, almost the entire state of Kentucky is on top of these cave systems. I think the mammoth cave system is the largest in the world.
0: And okay, so, so you
1: have this really cool correlation between not only the anomaly with this gravitational anomaly that's happening, but you have these huge massive cave systems that are uh, incorporated with it as well as certain mineral, minerals and different types of you know topography. So uh, yeah, the cave system does come into play when it comes to the the maps and these specific areas that we've looked into and it's you know you know it's really fascinating, frankly, very fascinating.
2: Okay, so now I have four questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, how do you feel about the Hollow Earth? And I'm not talking about like a, a Tootsie Roll, Sinner, Hollow of the Earth, um, like pockets of cave systems, basically, and lava tubes and places where humans could inhabit um, beneath the ground in case of, oh, let's say you're going through a solar flare or something.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting, you know, and it's really it's really cool to implement those ideas into the parable research side of it. Right. Because mm-hmm. uh, there's so much going on down there that we don't know or don't understand, like it like the majority of it hasn't been explored at all. So, you know, what exactly is taking place down there that can possibly affect where we're at up here? So, I mean, is there some kind of correlation or connection between the two? That's something we definitely look into within this series. and. Uh, we do our best to implement uh, implement science and implement experts that we've been very lucky enough to consult on this series and really uh, break it down from a point of view of how can that side of science and understanding what is happening within this specific region, within the specific state, how can it affect what we perceive to be ghosts and hauntings?
2: So Mike, you missed it. He said he believes in the Hollow Earth. Okay. Question number okay. three. <laughs> question number three. True or false? Um, what was the third question? Oh, okay. Um, is there a difference, or is it just etymology or something or semantics? Saying um, this house is active or this house is haunted. Is there a difference between activity and haunting? Is one more you know, malicious than the other?
1: I think there's different types of activity that does manifest, and different types of energies associated with that exactly what that is and how, you know, what the mechanics are behind it, I, I can't be quite sure. I don't know. I don't have enough data or empirical evidence to say one way or the other. But I can say, you know, what we perceive to be a haunting from a terminology standpoint, uh, there are anomalous things taking place. There are there are paranormal type of phenomena that does happen that we can't explain through science. And, uh, you know, terminology-wise, that's a haunting, I would say. But, uh, you know, we're okay. doing our best with the book to try and, you know, get out of the basic type of terminology and to start to implement, you know, a classification system and hope to expand that, you know, once we get out, we implement that more and more. And hopefully people that pick up the book and read it can expand upon it as well.
2: Yeah, because this house is fairly active, but I never think of it as haunted. It's just more like um, (laughs) people living here that don't pay rent, so to speak. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So my last question, you may not know this one at all. Um, if there is more gravity in these areas of Kentucky, let's say you weighed in California and you weighed in Kentucky, would you weigh more in Kentucky?
1: That I'm not sure of. That would be interesting, though. <laughs> Good question. <laughs> you would question. think so, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you would think so. Yeah. Right?
2: <laughs> okay. I rest my case. Uh,
0: it's, <laughs> Thanks. It's interesting about the, the whole gravity aspect is really interesting because, um, you know, there's the mentioned earlier triangle areas of the world that I have an interest in. There's the Nevada triangle, which Brandon wouldn't be too far from you. And there are areas of it, which they say have when you're getting between uh, some of the different mountain ranges uh, that have what they call gravity waves. And this is where you know, airplanes can run into trouble and all of a sudden have equipment malfunctions and uh, and end up crashing. So in a place like this in Kentucky, where you have these, this different, uh, this gravity anomaly, are people seeing uh, different equipment malfunctions and instrumentation problems there?
1: Absolutely, and uh, with the Nevada Triangle specifically, I actually read about that very recently. About, I mean, crazy amount of plane crashes. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of loss of life, very tragic. But yeah, there is a lot of malfunctions with you know mechanical devices, electronics, things like that within this area. Um, and something actually we ran into when we were out there conducting research. You know, we were, we had Zach Zach Hano with us. He's a scientist. Um, he works for the Department of Defense. He's an aerospace engineer. He actually came out with us and investigated. And we ran into a lot of technical difficulties when it came with some of the environmental sensors that he was using. And he had absolutely no explanation for it, which was very interesting. So, but uh, we did run into some you know technical difficulties and things not working the way they're supposed to. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. Interesting. So, so let me ask you this, um, cause talking about, you know, hauntings science, he did make a, a comment earlier about, you know, it being challenging to, you know, to scientifically prove hauntings that sometimes you, you'll have something paranormal going on and you know, how to, do, you know, how does science really prove this? Cause one of the things that I try to throw out there to people is that, um, you know with science and you're trying to run experiments you need a control object well if you if your test if your experiment is just this house is haunted or this room is haunted your control object would be a room or a house that is not haunted so
1: <laughs> how exactly? <laughs> how
0: would you know that the room or the house isn't haunted as your control object so it, it, it becomes a real challenge so how do you deal with things like that you know do you get like more specific with your experiments you know what are the types of things you try to do
1: It's all about experimentation, right? Uh, One thing that we heavily monitor is environmental conditions and what is supposed to be the natural environmental conditions associated with the the area and within a typical household or a typical building. And one thing we look for is changes in those environmental readings, right? Pressure, humidity, uh, temperature, EMF, things like that. Uh, and we're looking for baselines and we're looking for baselines associated with what those environmental conditions are supposed to be at that given time and if we start to see a change in that environment and we start to see unexplained activity you know kind of correlating with that and happening at the same time that's where it gets interesting and when we start to catalog that data and those environmental you know data points we have those parameters and we can kind of have a control right we have an understanding of what the barometric pressure is like, what the humidity is like, what the temperature, the EMF, uh, the T-box levels, whatever it may be, carbon monoxide, uh, all those kind of things. We're looking at every single environmental condition possible. And if we start to see a change in that envir- environment within a location and we capture something like an EVP, you know, a disembodied voice or we capture something on the EMCCD camera, like a photon event, and that correlates with the change in the environment during that specific period, we start to have you know, data sets and parameters are associated with those data sets. And we try and look for that repeatability at that point, right? So if we start to see that the environment is changing, say barometric pressure drops, you know, 10 points, whatever it may be, and we collect a photon event on the EMCCD camera, um, we don't have an explanation for that. What does that mean? Can we say it's a ghost? No, we can't say that per se. But we do have eyewitness testimony and what people have experienced over the years that is correlating with that. And if we're able to take those data sets and that those parameters and start to see a, a correlation with that in other areas that are said to be haunted, that's when we start to get into the more science side of things.
0: Are you seeing any specific patterns within your data sets?
1: We are. Absolutely. We're seeing massive changes in barometric pressure and photon events taking place. And a photon event is... Uh, light that is not typically seen by the human eye. Uh, and we're using a, a EMCCD camera, which is called an electron multiplying camera. And this camera does record single photon events. It's typically used in research with NASA, the medical field. And there's something going on with photon events and pressure in said haunted locations. What that means right now, we're not quite sure, but we do have enough data to say that there is a correlation between the pressure and photons taking place in these set haunted locations, it's really fascinating.
2: Okay, are you factoring in like weather and climatic conditions? Because when there's a low pressure, the pressure falls quickly and rapidly. Um, so, like absolutely. if you have a leading low-pressure cell coming in, that would affect your, bar- your
1: barometer. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, similar to using a, a, ph- a farmer's almanac, right? And understanding what the weather conditions are, and understanding what the environment is supposed to be and luckily now we have such great technology we we would know at any given time so that was one of the things that was so great at working with zach kano on this project is that he worked as a scientist for dupont uh exxon Mobil, uh, the dod and he understands uh, exactly what the environment should be at those moments and we're using very sensitive environmental sensors at that time and there was a few exper- experiments that we conducted with him where it kind of freaked him out a little bit, which is cool. It's, it's always cool to see a scientist uh, scratch his head and say, wait, wait, wait a second, what the hell's going on here? So uh, yeah, we do take all those factors into consideration and are, are definitely monitoring what the natural conditions should be at any given point. Uh, and then, you know, lining that up with the data we're collecting and seeing if uh, it's something anomalous.
2: May I suggest you get a sling thermometer? Cause I think Mustafa would love that because you just spin yeah. it around
1: uh, and you get no, the, and you get the pressure.
2: Time. Oh come on, he'll have so much fun. Woo! Round the hedge, so, you know.
0: <laughs> so so did I hear correctly in there that a new investigative tool uh for us would be a farmer's almanac? We should bring it with us. Absolutely. <laughs> <Right>? Absolutely. <Okay. laughs> so,
2: Absolutely. Okay. Being out here in Texas, I live by the farmer's almanac, but it's not always accurate. I can actually tell the weather. I don't even because I don't watch TV. Um, you know, but I would tell people, oh, it's I told my daughter yesterday, like, oh, look, there's a big ring around the moon. It's going to rain tomorrow. And guess what? It's raining. So, I mean, you can learn just by looking at the sky, like, you know, it's four days out before cold fronts coming through because of the way the clouds look. So,
1: right. So, exactly.
2: Something to learn. Yeah.
0: I think statistically, the Farmers Almanac is like eighty or eighty-two percent accurate, which to me is a lot more accurate than watching the weatherman on TV. So, <laughs> exactly. well, you know what that means.
2: The we- okay, when the weather says it's a ninety percent chance of rain, it doesn't mean it's going to rain ninety percent of the day, or it's going to rain in ninety percent of the viewing viewing area. It means that ninety percent of the time, when these climatic conditions were present, it rained. People misunderstand that. So,
0: our, I'm our resident meteorologist <laughs> <yeah>.
2: Doppler indicates. <laughs> I didn't take a foreign language. I took meteorology.
0: <laughs> so. That must've been fun though.
2: And your bones hurt more too. So <laughs> yeah, yeah there's a, that, especially bones. as you get
0: older. <laughs>
2: I'm only, wait, how old did we decide? I am 28,
0: <laughs> 28. There you go. Yeah.
2: 28 this week. Yeah. <laughs> All
0: right. So we have a question here from the chat room. Actually this is from our chat moderator, Alina. Uh, she says, I would like to know Brandon's thoughts on shadow people. Does he think they're the same kind of haunting as spirits?
1: You know, it's interesting. I actually did a show with the Science Channel in 2014 with Dr. Klor as well. He was involved in that uh, on the Unexplained Files where we looked into shadow people phenomena specifically. And uh, they they had us go out and investigate Preston Castle NIO, in Ione, California, where there's a lot of reports of shadow people uh, there's all kinds of different theories. I know Mike just you know filmed with a, a History Channel on that, but uh, right. there's so many different there's so many different theories about it. Interdimensional type beings, uh, specific you know styles of hauntings. Some people think it's maybe a partial manifestation of what we believe to be a ghost. Um, I, I, I think the jury's still out exactly as to what it is. But I mean, there's so many millions upon millions of reports of this type of phenomena that there's definitely something to it. Uh, but, uh, you know, a lot of people I've spoken to over the years really lean towards the interdimensional type of phenomena.
0: Yeah. And that's at least for me, what I believe a kind of quote unquote true shadow person is, is interdimensional, but I don't think it's a, there's a one answer that's going to fit all types of this type of phenomena that, um, I think it's many different, like you were saying, Brandon, it's many different types of things. Um, so to try to just give it a single definition is going to be very very difficult um but definitely it's a it's a fascinating area of study and i guess i should ask this in in your uh gravitational anomaly there in kentucky are you seeing an excessive number of of shadow entities there
1: that was one of the biggest reports yeah i mean that okay. and goblins which is really interesting
0: <laughs> so goblins was, well yeah. the whole hell your area is, is yeah. supposed to
1: be notorious for goblins. that yeah i've actually
2: yeah, met exactly. a goblin goblins are nice <laughs> Goblins are so misunderstood. They're actually fun.
1: They just want to hang out the cave system, you know? Exactly.
2: They're they're funny. I mean, you've seen them, right? Or encountered them?
1: Me personally, I have not. No. Oh,
2: no. Once you go goblin, you don't go back.
1: Anyway. Oh, oh wait, that didn't sound right. I'm sorry. No, it didn't. (laughs) Okay. We'll take a drink on that one.
0: (laughs) Wow. You heard it here first. The rabbit (laughs) hole.
2: And this is why we're canceled. No, um, uh, <laughs> um, Mike, when you do your research, mm-hmm. I'd be interested to know, um, because I was thinking all the shadow people I've seen out here or it's always been humid and it's just about to rain. So it's a low pressure system. I'd be interested to know what the ratio is to shadow people, to low barometer stuff.
0: Um, that would be, I mean, that would be fantastic data to collect. Um, and I don't know well, Brandy, What do you, you guys? This, that, that. no, like when when a storm kicks up, you get the you know lightning going, that ionization, yeah, of the air, ion. that does something to supercharge the the activity.
2: Not to mention Absolutely. what it did to my hair. It was just.
0: You know. <laughs> There's that. Uh, but one of the, one of the more fascinating um, experiences that I've had, and I don't know if Tom McNicholas is down in the chat room with us tonight, but he was there. Um, there were five of us that witnessed. It was after a lightning storm over the Mississippi River. And we had seen rolling black smoke morph into the apparition of a little girl. So it's, you know, you have, you know, those type of weather events happen. And it, it seems to really, you know, supercharge the area. So Brandon, what's your take on that?
1: Oh, absolutely. You're hundred percent right. And especially specific, specifically, excuse me, with the Mississippi river, there's a lot of strange things mm-hmm. happening, happening along that river. Uh, some of the weirder cases I've ever worked over the years are right next to the Mississippi, which is uh, really interesting, but again yeah the environment and the environmental conditions especially after a storm uh, really does kick up activity and and exactly why that is and what the mechanics are behind it i'm not sure but there's definitely a you know a huge correlation there Um, especially lightning storms i mean just something as simple as a you know rain rainfall it somehow kicks up activity and anytime you can get yourself into an area that has a lot of eyewitness testimony uh, about sightings um, around those, you know, types of storms, uh, a lot of interesting data is collected. That's for sure.
0: Let me could ask you this: a,
1: the Cardinals. Go were ahead. There.
0: No. <laughs> oh, jeez. That would have been right across I mean, the river. Because yeah, we were in all well, Illinois. The, yeah, St. Louis. Yeah, have right it, it could have been
2: because Goldie was out there. You know, yeah, you're there at the you atmosphere.
0: <laughs> so l- let me ask you this, Brandon, because um, there are times where somebody will see something paranormal or supernatural somebody else is standing right next to them and either doesn't see it or maybe sees it differently than the other person what type of factors do you think would would account for two people standing right there looking at the same thing but seeing the phenomena differently
1: it depends on the location. Uh, depends on the eyewitness. Uh, there's a lot of factors that come into play. Um, but you know, from a logical point of view, there's a lot of things that can take place that can mess with temporal lobe activity, right? Everything from infrasound uh, to uh, different types of gases uh, in the environment associated with you know certain areas. Um, but you know, I have heard a lot of reports where people will perceive an event differently, uh, and. That can sometimes be part of the telephone game as well. Uh, you just, you know, the, the story changing uh, consistently over the, you know, amount of times they tell it. Uh, but, you know, depending on the event, I think there's a lot of times that the temporal lobe activity can be altered in a certain way that people can perceive it differently. Um, so it definitely depends on the factors. It definitely depends on the location. And it depends on, you know, the exact conditions associated with it.
0: Okay now that i i like to get people's uh take on that because i mentioned that incident with the little girl morphed out of rolling black smoke but we all saw the little girl differently so um, oh really which, which to me is very fascinating yeah yeah we did um like i saw her fully formed from the head on down to about her knees and she started dissipate away where others were seeing her like fully formed at the feet it was like almost the opposite and she started dissipating away at the head and, you know so and it was very interesting there again. There were five of us that saw her, so um, it, it, I have a bunch of theories into that, but this is your show, so <laughs> um, so um, your book, uh, Elements of a Haunting, everybody run out and get it. Let me put the uh, banner back up here so you guys have Brandon's uh website here, BrandonJAlvis.com. Uh, so you co-wrote this with, with your partner of crime, Mustafa. So now, did you guys <laughs> did you guys know each other before Ghost Hunters, or is that where you guys met?
1: Yeah, we met on Ghost Hunters. Uh, we met in Los Angeles, California during the, the casting process of the show, and we hit it off instantly. Uh, funny enough, because we come from such different walks of life. I, I'm born and raised in California. He's born and raised in New Jersey. And uh, we just hit it off, you know, very like-minded um always about the work you know that's one thing you know where him and i kind of meet is the fact that we just want to get it done and want to work as much as possible and test theories and you know we're always throwing stuff at each other constantly as far as uh the uh ever-evolving world of the paranormal so uh, it's just Strange how we both came from opposite ends of the country, uh, different paths of life, and we just hit it off. And uh, you know, I can say that thanks to Ghost Hunters and Pilgrim Media Group for uh, introducing us, because uh, a lot of a lot of great stuff's come out of it. So,
0: yeah, that's that's great how you can just you know really connect with people. And uh, you're not gonna be able to borrow a wrench from his garage, you know, on the daily. <laughs> but <laughs> but it, but he's also working with you on on haunted discoveries as well, correct?
1: Absolutely, yeah. He's uh, co-hosting the show with me, and uh, him and I were very lucky to partner with uh, Stargazer Television, Stargazer Films, and uh, they, they gave us the green light to go do eight episodes and do it our way, which is really nice uh, to not have, um, you know, a lot of notes, I'll say, uh, but to really go out <laughs> and implement our research and our ideas and you know i i've been you know lucky enough to you know work in the you know film side of things for a number of years and make some documentaries that did uh, fairly well and they allowed me to you know put my filmmaking hat on as well as my investigator investigator hat on so it's been really nice to go out there and work on this show and and uh we're we're very excited to get out to the public i think people will really like it
2: does it have
0: a uh, platform yet or where is it that's what i was just about to ask go yeah go ahead, so yeah uh, <laughs>
1: So we have eight episodes that we uh, are putting into the can now, and uh, we'll have more information on that at a later date. So okay. that's a definite maybe.
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> so stay tuned.
1: Stay tuned, exactly.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. But hopefully hopefully sooner rather than later.
1: Yes. Yeah. No, we're, we're looking yeah. at fall. That's what we're looking at. Okay. So it could, could be sooner than that, but uh, I think the latest will be fall for sure.
0: Yep. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. I know how that goes.
1: Oh yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, it was, it was a year ago where I was in the, it was a, it was a train wreck. Cause my shadow dimension series was supposed to go on Amazon. Then they changed their rules or policies or whatever the heck they were doing over there. And I was suddenly in the midst of trying to find distributorship. So it's a crazy game.
1: Fun side of the business. huh?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So Following Haunted Discoveries, are you going to continue with that series? You have other projects going on. What are you working on?
1: Yeah, you know, I think that, you know, the Haunted Discoveries most likely will do a second season. I can't be too sure, but uh, there's so much out there that we want to explore and so many different ideas and theories and, uh, you know, different people from various technical industries. We want to bring into our world and going out there and trying to see if we can find answers when it comes to hauntings and paranormal phenomena. So I'm hoping we can do more of that. Um, but, you know, Mustafa and I are always working on other stuff, you know, another book's a possibility as well. But, uh, for the time being, you know, it's getting these eight episodes ready to go and ready to air. And again, hopefully, to hopefully in fall.
0: Fantastic. A question here from Sarah Youssef. Um, since you are a rather tech savvy guy, um, given that you have identified elements of a haunting, how do you see the evolution of ghost hunting equipment evolving?
1: Well, you know, for me specifically, again, there's no right or wrong way to investigate the paranormal, obviously. Uh, But for me, it's about adapting, you know, technology from other technical industries and really implementing experts in that technology into our space and bringing them out there to show us what's the natural occurrence and what's something we can't explain. So, i would hope the evolution of uh, ghost hunting technology or paranormal investigative technology will be adapting technology from other technical industries Um, for instance like implementing the emccd camera the you know photon intensifiers things like that where we're bringing in the science side uh, of research uh, into our space and allowing you know experts like scientists medical doctors engineers people like that to come out and guide us in that research so i'm hoping uh, it would be more about adapting other technology than uh, building technology specifically to find ghosts.
0: Yeah. Cause you're talking about equipment that, that NASA is using. Um, now that's not exactly something you could just find down at your local radio shack. If I guess <laughs> if you have a local radio shack anymore, right. <laughs> it doesn't exist. <laughs> so, so how would somebody go, go about getting this type of equipment? Cause it, it does sound like, you know, fantastic, uh, fantastic hardware to use on investigations like this.
1: Right, I mean, those devices can be rented. Uh, there's multiple manufacturers out there, uh, a lot of which are located here in the United States. Uh, one company specifically out of Arizona, uh, they're called a Raptor Photonics, they're an amazing company. Uh, but there's a, here's the thing, I, I always tell people, there's a lot of people from the scientific community, a lot of people from the medical community, engineering community that are very interested in the paranormal more so than not uh, i think people would be surprised at the amount of people that uh, come from those technical fields and technical industries that are willing to come out and be part of a paranormal investigation so i would I would recommend going out reaching out to these companies possibly renting that type of equipment but also reaching out to professionals from those industries and having them come out implement their studies implement their type of uh, research into our space and more often than not, I think that you'll get some willing takers that'll come out and bring their equipment and things that they typically use in a lab and put it into a haunted house. So I, that, that's what I would say. That's what I did. It worked out for me. Uh, but I, I think that you know I would always say never be afraid to reach out to those people uh, because uh, more often than not, uh, they're more interested than you would imagine.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great point. because um, I, I, I think there's a strange sort of perceived stigma that, science is, you know, a, against our field, you know, that whole, you know, science versus spirituality thing that seems to always be prevalent. But, you know, I think people forget you know, Stanford Research Institute was doing all the experimentation with remote viewing and things like this. So, um, so yeah, there's definitely an interest from the science side of things to find out more about this phenomenon, because I, I think personally it goes hand in hand.
1: Right, absolutely. I mean you think about some of the most brilliant scientists that ever walked the earth. Uh, Isaac Newton, you know, Nikola Tesla, Thomas Edison, people like that that you know, spirituality and science kind of went hand in hand with their belief systems. Uh I mean Isaac yeah, the Tesla even,
0: Tesla was having uh out of body experiences. He was yeah. he was astral projecting.
1: Yeah. Exactly.
2: Tesla exactly. was exactly. an <laughs> alien.
1: Tesla was right. an alien, exactly. <laughs> he was, he was okay. an actual project. He was just going home. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, you know, no, yeah. Isaac <laughs> Newton, for instance, um even went as far as to try and use mathematics to decode the Bible. So uh, you have people that were, I mean, are heavily respected within, you know, scientific community and those technical, you know, communities that heavily believed in spirituality and, and really went and tried to implement both of those worlds together. So I think they're a lot closer than people realize, and I agree with you there, Mike, that uh, they're a lot, you know, they're a lot closer than, you know, people give it credit for, but um, again, I think a lot of people from those technical industries have that belief as well, and it's not the big bad wolf. It's not science; isn't the big bad wolf of the paranormal. And more often than not, you'll have people that are very interested and excited to be part of it.
2: Okay, let me ask you something real quick. Um, I know you're heavy into ITC and the technical side. Have you ever thought about um, just testing out the old, the old school methods to see if there's any validity into the way the spiritualism community once developed, if they were actually onto something? Absolutely.
1: Well, I will say, though, ITC, I'm I'm not big into ITC personally, uh, per se, uh, but old school techniques, I love the spiritualist movement. I mean, it's something I read about constantly. I actually read a thesis on the spiritualist movement. Uh, A guy got his doctorate based off of his thesis on the spiritualist movement. He published it as a book. Fascinating read, by the way. Um, uh, But I love the idea of spirituality and and specifically the spiritualist movement in the 1800s Uh, you know the fox sisters things like that Um, i have uh, conducted experiments with psychics and with you know seances old school table tipping type stuff i've i've uh, been part of all of it and i'm willing to open my mind and try and see if there's any validity to it absolutely so um, actually here in haunted discoveries one of the episodes we actually bring in an acting voodoo priestess into an investigation and we actually conduct a uh, ceremony with her and we test the environmental conditions associated with that ceremony so that's one thing we actually do in the show and we're more than willing to be part of you know the spiritual and metaphysical side of it as well Um, we just you know try and you know have some empirical evidence and and data points to try and back up what's happening yeah
2: i've been part of the uh, table tipping experiment one time and um We even had our hands off, and it would tip a little. Now I know the lady who was doing it was kind of maneuvering it for the most part, but there was one time when we all had our hands off. (laughs) It's a long story. You know how we are here in Texas, Um, but um, it was tipping. I mean, it's it was in Old Town Spring, of course, Mike. You know, of course, (laughs) everything happens in Old Town Spring. That's where I hang out, you know. (laughs) But um, yeah, I mean, there has to be some validity to it. I mean, I don't know
1: why it would
0: do that uh, you getting out there with the dowsing rods with all this uh, energy in the ground
1: uh, i personally did not but there's uh people that we worked with that did for sure okay. and uh okay yeah i mean there's local people there that were using the dowsing rods not for parable purposes either <laughs> Oh no, it, it, it no they're, oh, they're anyway.
0: legit yeah to find water yeah. pipes in the ground yeah. all that yeah i think exactly. people it, it tend to forget that sort of thing yep. I, I think dowsing rods in our community got a got a bad rap because of all the you know youtube videos out there are people you know faking it you know trying to sure. you know turn it in, oh look i got something um but they legitimately work
1: yeah so. absolutely yeah i mean there's it was funny to go out to you know certain parts of kentucky and see dowsing rods sitting on a desk and you're thinking oh man maybe they're trying to communicate with you know possible entities here no it's for practical reasons. So right. <laughs> kind of a strange thing to see. It was a, it, it, kind of a culture shock in a way. It was, it was pretty cool. Yeah, my also- my
0: my dad's a uh, tool and die maker by trade, real you know practical guys, machinists, that sort of thing. And um, when he saw, because I, I used the dowsing Ross on the Alaska Triangle Show. And uh, when, when he saw that, he was just kind of chuckling to himself. He's like, you know, I have no idea how those things work. But he talked about one time at my grandparents' house, just getting... You know, copper coat hangers and going out there in the backyard to find an old drain that was supposed to be back there that they needed to to fix or repair and he's like yeah, I don't know how it worked but sure enough I found it <laughs> hmm. So, Do you think
2: maybe by crossing like a ley line or some sort of energy line like a copper pipe crossing a line that would make him go willy nilly and that way you could pick it up on it like it'd be interrupting the current
0: possible oh, As far as, as, as how they work
1: mm-hmm.
0: Yeah yeah when you when you mm. cross an anomaly in the ground, it's going to um have a reaction with the rods. So like if it's a pipe in the ground, water um or if it's some sort of you know energy current, yeah, it well, it'll I mean affect like the rods
2: if there's an energy flowing up from the earth and somebody puts a pipe over it, the energy can't go right there, so that would make the rods go because we found rings we we use them all the time. <laughs> we find stuff marshmallow skewers
0: <laughs> <laughs> so we have a uh, question here from Anna Lewis since we're talking about equipment, has there been a new favorite piece of technology you brought into your investigations?
1: I would have to say the EMCCD camera, the electron multiplying camera. Yeah, it's, I mean, so Mustafa and I have kind of, you know, started calling it the paranormal photon theory, and that's something Mm -hmm. that we've been, you know, heavily researching and trying to find, you know, factual data and empirical evidence to support why certain locations that are said to be haunted that have so much eyewitness testimony have these photon events taking place because i have the photon camera here and I'll, I'll have it in my apartment i'll turn it on nothing ever happens i'll never collect a single photon event in any way shape or form but i'll go to a you know haynes alaska and i'll put it in the halsey hotel and lo and behold photon events start taking place and uh you know that theory came to me from dr core's guidance and you know his uh, consulting with me on trying to implement more science into the paranormal and he, he was the first guy to tell me, you know, it's very possible that what people may be experiencing are photon events, you know, so luminous type phenomena, things like that. And uh, there's something to it. And like we spoke about earlier, the, the big correlation we're seeing is these huge drops and spikes in barometric pressure and these single photon events taking place. And not only single photon events um, in uh, New Mexico at Fort Stanton, we had multiple photon events happen at the exact same time come together to make one image, which makes oh, wow. absolutely no sense. So uh, that's yet again, uh, another thing that we've shown to Dr. Klor and other consultants we speak with, and we don't have an explanation for it so far.
2: So what so does let me ask the you ev- that- uh, What does the event look like? You're, you keep saying you have photon events. Are they streaks, swirls, people?
1: It could be swirls, it can be streaks, or just blips of light that are not seen by the human eye, uh, but show up on this camera. And they're all kinds of different colors. Oh, we've seen so, blue, we've seen green, we've seen red, yellow. So it's it's really interesting. And again, there are certain people that can see photon events with the, their own eyes. They have extra proteins in their eyes that okay. allow them to see it, which is interesting. Which that would be a really cool you know study is if people that say they're psychic and you know see uh, entities, uh, are, do they have that extra protein in their eye? That's something I've always wanted to look into, but um, uh, yeah, it shows up in different ways. I mean, at Ford Stanton, for instance, uh, this, you know, these photon events showed up and it, it looked like the outline of uh, a person. Uh, you can see the nose, you can see the head, you can see what they were wearing. Uh, and it's, I mean, it's odd. I have no idea what it is and it's something that still baffles our, our consultants as well.
2: So that's different than a full spectrum camera?
1: Or- Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Okay.
0: So let me ask you this, since we're talking about photons, um, the double slit experiment yes. with, the, yes. with the photons. So, you know, that just from observation changes the result of that experiment. So if our, our observation of something can change an event, what, what are we really observing then when we see paranormal activity is, Are we seeing it as a result of of our observation of it? Or, I mean, we can get, you know, really down the rabbit hole here with this.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, the double slit experiments, you know, absolutely fascinating. You know, introducing the observer, taking away the observer. Uh, There's so many different directions you can go with it. Uh, And that's, you know, we've actually, you know, Dr. Clore and I uh, have, you know, tried to implement different uh, experiments with trying to collect what, you know, people say are, you know, is paranormal phenomena, especially specifically visually, where we uh, have implemented, uh, you know, some of the double slit experiment, you know, protocols and things like that. So it's been really cool to get out there with Dr. Kaur and and implement that. But it's so wild, you know, looking at that experiment and talking about the observer and how things interact and and, and act when there isn't an observer. So it's fascinating stuff for sure.
0: Yeah, because it makes you wonder, you know, would this have actually happened if i didn't look at it i mean it, it, that experiment causes you to question that if i didn't look at it would it have really happened
2: right well yeah. now you're talking quantum physics Exactly. exactly. <laughs> i'm listening hello cat in a box is a is cat in the box no is, yeah <laughs> are the are the cats really cat
0: <laughs> is it dead or is it alive i don't know you leave it in there long enough it'll probably die it will be dead. never
2: thinks it's being fed you know
0: right so um you know, we got about 10 minutes left in the show here so i want to make sure you you have some time to you know promote uh the show the book things you're working on um so let me go ahead and bring up the the book one more time so where can people find Elements of a Haunting? Uh, and is a, there a Amazon,
1: follow-up? Um, hopefully, there's going to be a follow-up. It's something Mustafa and I are talking about. Um, but yeah, you can get it Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Walmart. Uh, just go to Google and type in Elements of a Haunting, and you'll see it. And you can get it directly from our publisher, Llewellyn, worldwide as well. Um, go to my personal website, BrandonJAlvis.com. It's there also. And you know, we are talking about a follow-up. Well, it, it's uh, you know, it's a, a possibility for sure.
0: All right. Very cool. So So everybody make sure you go out and get that. Go ahead, Victoria.
2: If we go to your website, is it autographed? I'm just asking because, you know, I have a book or two.
1: Yeah, (laughs) it can be. It can be. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Okay.
2: Hmm.
0: (laughs) So if there's a follow-up, what additional material would be in it that's different from the first?
1: Well, we would uh, start to implement, you know, our results uh, based off of the methodology, uh, the, the standards of the protocol uh, and the ethics that we use, as well as the classification system, and just uh, kind of cataloging and categorizing further uh, our research, especially when it comes to the paranormal photon theory. And that's something that we really looked into heavily here when we filmed haunted discoveries uh, in Kentucky and had some really cool breakthroughs associated with that. And also really got into the idea of how does belief manifest what we perceive to be paranormal phenomena and we did some really cool experiments with that as well so um, you know when we get to the next book you know and if we do a next book uh, it'll be based off of you know our methodology and, and the experiments that we conduct out in the field
0: that's actually a really good question because um you know people are familiar with you know, law of attraction the the documentary the secret um there's also you know people run intention experiments and that's actually something i'm going to be doing with the uh, connected universe, uh, portal members here. So we're going to be doing some attention experiments, uh, this spring and summer where, you know, put focus, a certain type of intention on, uh, like a plant and it may prosper and focus a different type of intention on another plant and it may die. So, um, so what are your thoughts on all that?
1: Yeah. I mean, the mind is a very powerful thing. Uh, and we actually were very lucky to work with two great guys, uh, out of Somerset, uh, Kyle, who owns the International Paranormal Research Museum down there, uh, him and uh, his friend Darian, they uh, actually have a podcast called the Penny Royal Podcast. And they, they do amazing work with uh, testing belief uh, using a, a random number generator, which is really cool. And so we brought them and uh, their, their experiments into a haunted location. And we tested those theories in conjunction with the EMCCD camera. And uh, can't say too much yet, but uh, we had some really <laughs> cool results that uh, were really mind-blowing and uh, it really uh, it left our consultants and people from other industries really scratching their heads, which was always a big win and always a lot of fun to see.
2: So if you're doing all these experiments that were in Kentucky because of the gravity was very heavy there, is there an area that has less gravity, like I don't know, uh, the desert or something, would you do experiments out there to compare them to see if there was any absolutely. correlation between?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, we're always looking at you know different types of uh, geographical locations, uh, different types of environmental conditions uh, throughout you know the world. And hopefully one day we can get out to other parts of the world. But uh, anywhere that has you know special conditions, we're we're willing to go out and conduct experiments.
2: Do you think you can get away with a you know a photon gun or whatever up in the Tower of London?
1: <laughs> would they pat would you down? Cool. Yeah. I, know, I was about right?
0: to ask Brandon yeah. the same question about uh, the Great Pyramid of Giza. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, if we can get it in there. That'd be fantastic.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would. <laughs> um, yeah, it's because a lot of those ancient sites of power, you know, there's the the belief that they were built on top of those, you know, uh, those those crossings of the tectonic currents, those those nodes of uh, exponential energy of the depending on the term you want to use, like the discontinuity or conductivity discontinuities, whatever you want to call them. But they have that heightened, you know, energy coming up from the ground. So it would be interesting to see some experiments at, you know, ancient sites like Stonehenge, Pyramids, Karnak, all those locations.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, we do have some uh, sites like that here in the States as well that would be a little more accessible. So Sedona. Chaco Harvard, Canyon, there yeah. Sedona, yeah. Yeah, yeah Sedona, uh, actually here uh, where I live in Ventura, California, uh, there's a location called Ojai that's uh, a, oh. a spiritualist community that has, you know, kind of a location where a lot of spiritual and metaphysical type people mm. go. It's kind of the, the, Sedona is the West, but this is uh, the Sedona, even more the West. So right. <laughs> it's kind of cool to be in this area. There's a lot of strange things that happen here in Ventura County. It's almost a Lovecraftian in a way. It's like uh, you're living uh, in one of H.P. Lovecraft's towns that he, he drew up. It's kind of a cool place.
2: Is it by any degree, uh, or by any means, on 30 degrees north or anywhere near that? Where's your...
1: It's close. It yeah. See? Yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hollow Earth. That's what I'm saying. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, um, all right. So let me see here. So haunted discoveries so are still waiting on a, uh, release date and platform for that, but, um, you're hoping by the fall.
1: That's the plan. Yeah, that's the plan. could be sooner, but, uh, fall is the most realistic and, uh, I'm in the edit on that right now and working closely with, you know, our production company. And it's, it's very special. It's a huge passion project for me. And, uh, I think it's going to be a, a breath of fresh air when it comes to the ghost hunting type shows. Um, and, implementing some really cool theory and bringing in, you know, professionals from the various technical industries and giving a, a new look into the genre, which I think is going to be a lot of fun and some amazing emotional stories um, and some amazing people that we had on the show. I think it's, it's going to be a lot of fun for people to watch and a different take on the genre for sure.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Just chatting with you here this evening, some of the uh, different experiments, equipment that you're using uh, and just the fact that you're hitting a location that has this different type of anomaly, the the gravity uh, situation there, to me, that's extremely fascinating. So I'll be looking forward to your results from, from all of that. So I'll be sure to share that out for you on uh, social media when it comes out. So let me know when that's released. So, Victoria, I'll throw it to you unless we have any more questions down in the chat um just one we have a are question. already a reader for the oh, book oh, okay it's an amazing book so go oh, ahead yeah, yeah. Awesome. Thank
1: you. um
2: when i've gone out on in investigations there's always somebody with an sls camera and i don't mm-hmm. put a lot of validity into that because you never see a figure unless it's standing next to something when you have your photon gun is that the same type of principle or can you just have random things anywhere
1: oh yeah no the the mccd camera is just used to record single photon events so it's not uh used with a, a system or a technology like an ai a mapping system where it's trying to recognize patterns this camera's not there for that it's there to you know, solely observe uh photon events which if you were to shoot it in a you know pitch black hallway or a dark room it would look like daylight which is really cool without any infrared light or anything like that which is fantastic but uh, yeah the SLS is a totally different type of technology and a flawed one in my opinion uh, yeah, but, it's, uh, it's always yeah. on a door frame it's never it's out a lot the of false woods. positives a it's, lot of false positives it's, it's trying false to false a, false. a device is made to <laughs> recognize patterns you know it's trying right. to find a human type figure in anything that it's looking at so uh, it's a a flawed device in my opinion and in full of contamination and false positives for sure yeah because I've never
2: seen a figure standing like in a field or anything it's always Next door
0: to a door, a yep.
2: bookcase or mm-hmm. something. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. Interesting. Okay. Thanks.
0: <laughs> 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 All right, Brandon, really appreciate you coming on this, uh, this evening We put your website down here again, brandonjalvis.com. So everybody make sure, uh, go out there, get his book. Uh, do you have a newsletter that people can follow along so, so they can get alerts? On? I do.
1: Yeah. There's okay. a, yeah. If you go to the website, you can subscribe and put in your okay. email and you'll get updates
0: there you go everybody sign up for the newsletter get updated when haunted discoveries comes out and uh watch some old episodes of uh ghost hunters with with brandon on there
1: so <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right brandon have a good evening great talking with you and finally getting a chance to meet you so yeah
1: nice thanks guys you. great to meet you thank you so yeah, much
0: absolutely take care <laughs> Bye bye